Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service, Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. Hello and welcome to our midweek, also uh, what is to become our Connect podcast. I'm so glad that you are joining us today. We're going to have a great time together and let people jump on and uh, excited about getting into our study today, also excited about getting to connect with you. You ever think about uh, all the noises that are that are going into our ears, going into our head all the time? We live in a very loud world, and doctors are warning that a steady onslaught of loud noise, especially through our earbuds and our AirPods, it damages our hearing, especially the hearing of a generation that is wired for sound. And we may not realize it for years to come, but uh, they say more than a billion young people, teenagers, young adults are at risk of hearing loss because of our smartphones and just the, the loud levels of sound uh, where you, sometimes I, I've been to a concert before where uh, the sound was over 120 over 120 decibels in those small uh, clubs like in uh, in Austin. I, I always pull out my phone and I check the decibels. And, um, and so they say probably the largest cause of hearing damage is millennials using smartphones. This is from an ear, nose, and throat specialist. And uh, they say hearing loss is about 30% higher now than it was two decades ago. So think about this. When, uh, when I was uh, a teenager, that's when we would walk around with our Walkman, and we had the two AA batteries, and uh, we had headphones that went on your ears but not in your ears. And if you cranked it up, the sound got so distorted that um, you know it wasn't pleasant to listen to, and the battery life was bad. So now we can really crank it up with our AirPods and our, our smartphones. We can really, and it's just, they're little uh, small supercomputers that we're carrying around with great sound processing. And what they say is the damage happens when sound travels from the earbud deep inside your ear to the cochlea, where some 20,000 hair cells transmit the sound to the brain. But if the sound is too loud and listened to for too long, it can damage those hair cells or worse, and it causes them to die off. And so the damage can happen in minutes. Now, here's the deal. What am I talking about and why? Well, physical hearing loss is a serious situation. But what's even worse is our spiritual hearing loss. Because in such a loud world with so many voices competing for our attention, can we still hear the voice of God? Can we still hear 
the word of God. And with all the noises and all the voices in the world that are vying for our attention, competing for our attention, we have to discern and determine who we're going to listen to and what we're going to listen to and who is going to be the authority, the authoritative voice in our life. Our whole culture wants to be heard. Everybody wants to, uh, to have a platform. And so you've got YouTubers, you've got social media influencers, you've got TikTokers, the news media, politicians, lifestyle bloggers who, who are telling us all about their lives. We've got preachers who are, you love to yell a lot. You know, we've got all of these voices and everyone's trying to get the message across. We live in such a loud world and everybody's got something to say. But are we listening to the voice that matters the most. You know, there is one word that is above all other words. And we read about this in the Gospel of John. We're kicking off our study in the Gospel of John, really today, as we start to get into this first passage in John 1. And this is the high point of Scripture. I mean, this is, this is, um, just elevates and it's, it's epic. And uh, it's, you know, if you look at the Gospel of John, many times people say, well, read the Gospel of John first. If you're a new believer, read the Gospel of John because it's so simple to understand. And at one level, it is easy to understand, but also it's a very profound and very deep, particularly as we get started. Um, as you look at this first passage, John talks about the Word, the Word. What is the word, and you've got to really dig in to find out. In John 1, 1, he says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And there's so much uh, truth there in that one verse, but that word, word, the word, word, uh, is the word logos, okay? Um, and, and this word is a word a lot of people are familiar with, uh, the logos, which Really, in, in Greek thought, it, it pictured the connection, I love this, connection between person to person, people, the connection between people and the world, and the connection between people and God. And so that was this spiritual connection. They thought the Logos was the source of all human reason and all virtue. And they they would also say that, that it was where all, all truth came from it. And it really everything came from the word and everything would eventually return to the Logos, the word. And the, the Logos was the revelation of sacred truth. In fact, there was one Greek God who was called the father of the Logos. All right. And so in, in Greek thought, this was really thought of as the higher power. It was something spiritual. They knew there was something more than what was physical, but what was physical. So whenever you saw the the logos capitalized, the word capitalized word, it, it was referring to this spiritual power at work in the world. And John, he starts out, he says, "Yes, okay, there is this spiritual power at work in the world." And uh, he he's he's kind of introducing the idea but as this passage unfolds, he starts getting 
focusing in more and more closer and closer to say this spiritual power at work is none other than Jesus Christ. That um, he, he is, it is the voice, when you hear the voice of Jesus, you hear the voice of God. John says, he is the light who has come into the world. And he starts unfolding this mystery of who the word is. And not only that, but it's not just who this word is, but what difference does this word make? What difference does this truth make and Jesus make in our lives today? And so I want us to talk about three of those truths uh, that you can trust today. And the first one is that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. In, in John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. See, he was there in the beginning, and you see this parallel here in the beginning. How does John start his gospel in the beginning with the beginning of Genesis? In the beginning, God created, and so John says in the beginning was the Word. And um, so he was there with God because he is God. In fact, he is the one responsible for creation. And he holds today, he continues to hold all of creation to, together. And, uh, and so we see Jesus revealed here as God because Jesus and God are one in the same. His very nature is God. We see the picture of the triune God of the Trinity here. Um, so he was both with God and he is also God. And if you have a hard time wrapping your head around that, that's okay. Because this is hard for us to understand. This is difficult for us to understand. Like if you try to figure out love, <laughs> what is love? You can't really do it because you can't measure it. It's not scientific. It's not chemical. It's it's spiritual, but it's true. It's completely true, you know? And yet, at the same time, the reason this matters is because I can trust Jesus even when I don't understand him. Even when I don't, I can't quantify it, I can trust him. And what's so beautiful is to know that Jesus is God. And the fact is, you know, with my kids... Uh, as a, you think about a parent to, and a child, or you think about yourself as a child, you didn't always act worthy of love, right? You didn't always act uh, worthy of love from your parents, and there were times your parents could have said, no, I can't, I can't, you know, continue to love you, and yet they did, hopefully they did, but God does that with us. He looks at us, and he loves us uh, because we are his children. He still loves us. He is God and to think that you are known and you're loved by the God of the universe. Uh, what a great truth to embrace today that Jesus is God, but also Jesus is life. Jesus is life. And he says this beginning in verse four, John writes, in him was life and that life was the light of men. 
that light shines in the darkness. And yet, the, and he came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and yet his own people did not receive him. But who all, to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who are, not, who are born not of natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. And, you know, again, looking back at Genesis, God said first, he said, let there be light. And then John here, he's talking about the light of Jesus. And so in, the, in Genesis, it's talking about God creating physical light so that we can physically see. But here, John is talking about Jesus bringing spiritual light into the world so that we can see the things that are even more important, the things of the Spirit. So John here, it's, it's interesting because we're looking in the Gospel of John, but he's talking about John, and this is a different John. This is John the Baptist, the one who was sent uh, ahead of Jesus. And uh, so he's talking about John the Baptist, and he's talking here, we see this theme in the Gospel of John about the world, the world, the world. What is the world when we talk about the world? Well, what John is talking about is it's the human system, it's all of humanity that has set itself and set ourselves up against God. It's very easy to look into the world today, look around the world, and you see there is incredible darkness. There's incredible darkness in the world. You see the hopelessness in our world. You see the hostility that people have toward God. And lately, my mind has been blown at how people have such a hard time. I'm seeing how blinded people are to the truth of God's Word, things that normally, I think, before we might have taken for granted. And now, people just do not understand even the most basic truths of Scripture. The other day on uh, Twitter, uh, I saw there was a, a pastor who was banned from Twitter. They kicked him off of Twitter because he quoted... Um, Romans uh, 6, and, and, and where it says, for the wages of sin is death. And they took it as a threat that he was implying that he wanted sinners to die. And it's like they didn't understand this most basic Bible truth that sin kills and that there is a spiritual price to pay of separation from God. Before we kind of took that for granted, we can't take it for granted anymore because more and more our culture is not only biblically illiterate but they are biblically opposed to the word of God and yet in verse 12 which is one of my favorite verses uh, John writes to those who received him to those who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God and here's a hard truth we're not all God's children whoa what did I just say we're not all God's children well we, were, we are all created by God, but God's children are the ones who have a relationship with God through faith and trust in Jesus. And they are the ones who can call God their father. And so what do we do? Well, we need to recognize 
ourselves as children of God and, and God as our father. Jesus is the life. And then finally, Jesus is here. Jesus is present. And so in verse 14, it says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, this was the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. This is the truth of the incarnation of God, God in the flesh. And it says that he dwelt among us, that Jesus tabernacled with us. He, the picture is that he pitched his tent here with us. And you look back in the Old Testament um, and, and the Old Testament tabernacle was the place that they would put up this big tent and in a sense, God's presence was very tangible there in the tabernacle and they would move it from place to place. And in the New Testament, the tabernacle then of God became the person of Jesus. Jesus um, is the presence of God among us. And then today, he continues to be present with us. God continues to be present with us. Jesus continues to be present with us, in us, in the work of his Holy Spirit, the indwelling spirit in our lives. There was uh, an atheist and a Christian who were having a debate. And on the blackboard, the, the board behind the there where they were speaking the atheist walked over and wrote the words god is nowhere god is nowhere and when the christian stood up to offer um, his point he crossed out he rubbed out the w at the beginning of where and added it to the beginning of or the end of the word no so the statement said god is now here God is now here among us. 2 Corinthians 5.1, uh, Paul says, our bodies are like tents that we live in here on earth. We are the tabernacle of God. The presence of God is with us for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. Um, in, and, and so we, we want to hold on to that truth and remember that there's nowhere that you will go today where you can escape from his presence. He is with you everywhere you go. He's present. You're never alone. And then in verse 16, John goes on. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. What a great statement. Grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son who is himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. See, there is the law of supply and demand at work. And our sin um, is requires the grace of God. We need the grace of God. And there is ample supply of God's grace. He continues to give us grace for every day and he continues to shower out more and more grace. You don't have to save up God's grace, 
because he continues to make his grace available to you as much as you need for each and every day. Ray Steadman, he said this, grace is what God does within you, without you. He, he does his work within you and he doesn't even need you to do it. He does it himself. I, I love this idea. One blessing. God just brings one blessing after another. Grace on top of grace. Well, I want to close with this. On uh, his blog, Kevin DeYoung, he wrote this. This is powerful. The greatness of God is most clearly displayed in his son and the glory of the gospel is only made evident in his son. This question is doubly crucial in our day because no one is as popular uh, in the United States as Jesus. But not every Jesus or every idea about Jesus is the real Jesus, okay? So check it out. There's the Republican Jesus. This Jesus is against tax increases. He's for hard work. He's for owning firearms. There's Democrat Jesus who opposes Wall Street and Walmart, and he's all about reducing our carbon footprint and printing more money. There's Therapist Jesus who helps us cope with life's problems, heals our past, tells us how valuable we are, and not to be so hard on ourselves. There's Starbucks Jesus who drinks fair trade coffee, loves spiritual conversations, drives a hybrid, and goes to film festivals. There's open-minded Jesus, who loves everyone all the time, no matter what, except for people who aren't as open-minded as they are. There's touchdown Jesus, who helps athletes run faster and jump higher than non-Christians, and he chooses who's going to win the Super Bowl. There's martyr Jesus, who is a good man, who died a cruel death on the cross so that we could feel sorry for him. There's Gentile Jesus, who was meek and mild with high cheekbones and flowing hair, and he walked around barefoot, and he wears a sash. There's hippie Jesus, flower child Jesus, who teaches everyone to give peace a chance, imagines a world without religion, and helps us remember that all you need is love. There's American Jesus, who encourages us to reach our full potential, reach for the stars, and buy a boat. There's spiritual Jesus, who hates religion, churches, pastors, priests, doctrine. He would ha rather have people out in nature while listening to spiritually ambiguous music. Then there's platitude Jesus. He's good for Christmas specials, greeting cards, and bad sermons, inspiring people to just believe in themselves. There's revolutionary, radical Jesus who teaches us to rebel against the status quo, stick it to the man, and blame things on the system. There's Guru Jesus, a wise inspirational teacher who believes in you and helps you find your center. There's Boyfriend Jesus who wraps his arms around us as we sing about his intoxicating love in our secret place. And there's Good Example Jesus who shows you how to help people, how to change the planet and become a better you. And then there's the real Jesus, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, not just another prophet, not just another rabbi, not just another wonder worker. He was the one that the people had been waiting for. He's the son of David. 
He's Abraham's chosen seed. He's the one to deliver us from captivity. He's the goal of Mosaic law. He is God in the flesh. He is the one who establishes God's rule and reign in the world and for eternity. He's the one who heals the sick, gives sight to the blind, brings freedom to the prisoners, and proclaims good news to the poor. The Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. This Jesus is the creator of all. Come to earth and the beginning of the new creation. He embodied the fullness of the covenant, fulfilled the commandments. He reversed the curse of sin. This Jesus is the Christ that God spoke to, um, spoke of to the serpent, the Christ prefigured to Noah in the flood, the Christ promised to Abraham, the Christ prophesied through Balaam before the Moabites, the Christ guaranteed to Moses before he died, the Christ promised to David when he was the king, the Christ revealed to Isaiah as a suffering servant, the Christ predicted through the prophets and prepared for through his forerunner, John the Baptist. And this Christ isn't the reflection of the current mood of our culture or the projection of our own ideas and our own desires of who God is. He is Lord. He is God. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. He is the substitute for our sins. And He is more loving. He is more just. He is more holy. And He is more wonderfully terrifying than we ever thought possible. That's who Jesus is. And that's who we follow. That's who we embrace. And that's who you can trust in today. So I want to encourage you right now as we pray together that we would just see Jesus, not, not for who we would desire him to be or who our culture says that he is, but we would see him as who he has revealed himself to be through the word of God, that you can trust him, that you are part of his family, that he is the one who gives us life, who gives meaning to life. He's the one that life is all about. So let's trust in him now. Let's pray to him right now. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for revealing yourself to us through Jesus, that when we look at Jesus, we see who you are, God, that we can know you, that we can have a relationship with you. Thank you for this gospel of John that we're studying right now that we're going to get into that, that is going to not just help us to see you more clearly, help us to know you, but also to change our lives, God, as we trust in you more. Help us to trust in you rather than ourselves, God, and to share you with the world around us. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you have a blessed week and I look forward to seeing you really soon. Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast.